This is Dr. What, Dr. Where, Stories of Rural Medicine. It's the podcast exploring what it's like to further your training and practice medicine in regional Victoria. Medical research drives healthcare delivery. Today's research projects become tomorrow's best practices. And so research in regional Australia is critical to delivering health outcomes these communities need. Research can also be essential in some career pathways and there are lots of opportunities in rural areas. Whether you plan to take on a research project alongside practicing or you're thinking of a research-centered career, there's something for everyone. In this episode, researchers and practitioners working in this space will highlight the different needs and health outcomes for regional communities, as well as show you what's possible and what the support is like from your colleagues to help you with your own projects. The ability to do research is growing rapidly in regional areas, and the health services out there are untapped wells when it comes to data. Zach Doherty is in his final year of medical school at Monash University. During his studies, he conducted an honours research project in Bendigo, using nearly 20 years' worth of data from Bendigo Health. The project was titled Short and Long-Term Survival Following In-Hospital Cardiac Arrest. So put simply, what we essentially did is got all of the patients that had a cardiac arrest. So in the movies, you might see when a patient's heart stops and CPR starts. Um, that's what we're referring to there. And we're talking about patients that have an arrest in hospital. So, um, you know, we see on the paramedic shows people might have cardiac arrests at home this was referring to patients who are admitted to hospital so what we wanted to do is look at how often do these patients survive in the event that is they get a pulse back when cpr is given how many patients survived a di- discharge so that's leaving bendigo hospital alive and then um what we did something that a lot of studies hadn't done because it's quite challenging to do um, is look at their long-term survival so once they left hospital how are they going to go one five ten years down the track now this has been done previously in other countries in Australia, there's long-term outcomes, but the studies are quite few and far between. So uh, we were fortunately the first study that's ever looked at in-hospital cardiac arrest patients in Australia and looked at them beyond one year. No one had done that before. So we were quite fortunate to be able to present the first data on these patients and really understand what's happening to them further down the track after the cardiac arrest. How did you find examining that long-term outcome in Bendigo? So I think the really good thing we had about Bendigo is um, about in in the year 2000, one of our nurses in the ICU started this cardiac arrest database. It really takes someone to take ownership of a project from a long time ago like that. And we had an 18-year period where we could essentially look at the Victorian Death Registry, which includes and basically says when patients have passed away if they have. So we had an 18-year period of follow-up for some of our patients. So doing it in a rural or regional area meant that I had really close connections with the staff in the intensive care unit. I could really understand the data they had. And the actual long-term data was provided by Birth Death Marriages Victoria. So regardless of where you were around the state, that would have been the same process. But being in Bendigo, particularly having a close-knit team, which some metropolitan hospitals, by virtue of the large staff numbers they have, might not be able to offer. And particularly not be able to offer it to a student who's still you know, in their degree. A lot of these projects in... City hospitals, these really great data sets might be reserved for people further down their training. They're putting those hard yards. Um, I was really fortunate to be given that opportunity early in my training, which you know potentially was something I wouldn't have been able to do in the, in the city. How receptive was the health service and the patients as well to this research project? Yeah, so I think with respect to the health service, they were great. So um, research can be particularly challenging when it's done with multiple organisations. So in our case, we had Monash University, and we had Bendigo Health. So from the point of view of all the legal, all the contracts, that was really, really easy to do because they have a great relationship already. Beyond that, 
I guess the staff were able to spend a lot of time with me. So I was, I had three members of Bendigo Health staff in my team. We had the director of our unit, Jason Fletcher. We had Cameron Ott, who's an intensive care specialist, and Kim Fazard, who's one of the um, intensive care nurses there that's managed this database. And I was able to have, you know, a really close relationship with them. And that was able to help me with the actual research side of things, but also gave me a really great clinical experience that some students, when they do the research, might not have the opportunity to do. It's a fear a lot of students have. They spend a year doing research. Are we going to kind of forget the clinical things? So I was fortunate to be able to have that clinical experience as well. Did you find the research environment in Bendigo would be a bit less crowded than it would be in Melbourne? Yeah, so the way it's set up at Monash University in Bendigo is um, downstairs the building, we have all the students upstairs is where all the academics are working. Um, So there's generally around about five academics that are working up there and they work in a large variety of fields. So we have some that look at rural careers, so what predicts where doctors and nurses are going to work in the future, Um, people that do drug and alcohol research, people that research infectious diseases so there's a big variety of people um you know i guess to give an example i was given my own office as a student which you know in the city you'd normally get a desk in a big room somewhere and i was you know essentially a probably a 10 meter walk away from my supervisor's office both of them were open to being spoken to at any time throughout the day they gave me back my drafts quite quickly you know they're very experienced researchers one's an associate professor one's a senior research fellow but they were able to give me that time. And I think if I was at a larger research institute, sometimes those staff members just can't provide that time because they're working on bigger projects, that have grants, they have deadlines they have to meet. And unfortunately, sometimes a medical student might kind of come lower down on that rung of their priorities. For the community, what's the value in doing research projects in regional and rural Victoria mm. compared to Melbourne? With research, a lot of researchers can sometimes get caught up by just doing the work and publishing in a journal and not really asking, what are we now going to do with this? How is it actually going to change the patients? Because if you're not looking at the patients at the end of it, you're only really doing it for yourself. So by being in a rural area, you understand the differences and the differences between what it's like being admitted to a hospital in the country versus the city. I think growing up for me, I I was quite fortunate. We never really had any run-ins with the healthcare system. But of relatives and friends I know that if anything went wrong, that the GP couldn't manage the home to go off to Melbourne. And I think this was kind of echoed in my research by we looked at survival to discharge, which was just defined as, you know, put quite crudely, as you left Bendigo Hospital with a pulse. And we thought most of those patients are going to go home. It's what previous research in Australia said. If you make it out of hospital, you're going back home. We found that about 38% of our patients were going home, but 40% were being transferred to a Melbourne tertiary hospital. And to a patient, that doesn't mean much. If you're just getting flown to the Alfred two days after your cardiac arrest, that's not a very good outcome for you. Um, you know, that's just the start of the rest of your journey in the healthcare system. So by being in a rural and regional area, we were really able to look at those outcomes and make sure they're appropriate for the community we're in. And we found that survival to discharge is not an appropriate outcome for rural and regional patients. So what we're doing now is a further study looking at why those patients were transferred and to understand what were the service gaps that resulted in it. Was it we couldn't provide a service that Melbourne could and hence the transfer was needed? Do we not have enough beds due to lack of funding? Or was the patient potentially originally from Melbourne that went transferred closer to home? So I think in a Melbourne hospital, um, when discharge generally means home, that might have been missed. And I think that's something we're really proud to look at that and actually think of those patients that are in the study and how that outcome impacted them. Are there any other factors you look at differently? There are some different factors. And I think the one negative I can come out with to not just talk about the positives is um, if you're at a large research institute in Melbourne, you will have people at all steps of the research pathway. So you're going to have professors and you're going to have people all the way down to honours students like myself. 
At Monash, we do have those senior staff members in a rural area, but sometimes in a rural area, those more junior members are lacking. I was really fortunate to have Laura Panozzo, another honours student, and Dale Howlett, another honours student in Bendigo. So that was a great support for us. So we had three students. And I think if they weren't there, it might have made things a bit harder. So one negative is you don't always have those junior students that are doing their PhDs, doing their honours that Melbourne might have. But look, I think that was offset by the extra support our supervisors provided with us. And also we've got the U3, the U4 and the U5 students doing their degree. So you've got social supports there. But I can see how it might be an issue if you don't have other research students there. That was the, probably the one difference I saw. In terms of any extra opportunities that you're missing out on, there really are none. The school's really cognizant that we're geographically away from Melbourne. So things like conferences, travelling down to do our presentations as part of our degree, we were compensated for that financially. There's also scholarships moving forward that they're going to be providing for students to do rural BMED size to kind of counteract the fact that these people are more often not going to be living away from home in the country. So there really are very few negatives and if anything, they're well offset by the positives. Why did you decide to get into research relatively early on in your medical career? When I um, was in year 12, obviously I was pretty naive. I just thought, oh yeah, medicine sounded pretty cool. I also thought our oh, research sounds cool. I was really lucky that I was right and I did like medicine and I enjoyed it. I feel like I've made the right career decision. But I had always known that I was interested in research, particularly, I guess, the statistical side of things. I really like numbers. Healthcare sometimes isn't as binary as one might think. There's a lot of ambiguity in it. So research was a nice opportunity for me to dive back into the math and the stats side of things. I'd always heard about the Bachelor of Medical Science and students doing it and far and wide people having a good experience. So when I saw this, the research in intensive care, which is the area of interest for myself, and particularly cardiac arrests, I thought I might give this a go. Worst case scenario is I spend a year of my life, I get an extra degree and I learn some research skills and realise that research isn't for me. And if you realise that's a pretty good outcome, I want to check research and see what it's like. Um, and I was really lucky. I had it the LA round. I realized I love research. So there's a lot more things that have kind of, I guess, blossomed from that year. I hope in the future I can make research part of my career um, in addition to clinical work. So I guess it was just curiosity that prompted it. Um, and luckily that curiosity has now resulted in something that I really enjoy spending my time doing. What does your career look like moving forward? Medicine's, I guess, a bit more complicated than a lot of jobs, unfortunately. So moving into 2020, I'll be doing my year five placements. Half of them are in Bendigo, the other half are in Melbourne. That's a requirement the faculty place on us going to Melbourne. If I had my way, I'd be doing an extra two in Bendigo. So once that's done in 2021, I'll be working as an intern. At this point in time, I'd be wanting to work in Bendigo Health if I'm lucky enough to get a job there. And once that's completed, you move into resident and registrar training. At the moment, um, I'm pretty interested in intensive care, also interested in anaesthetics. So they're both things that I want to be exposed to when I'm working there. One piece of advice people gave me is your experience as a student can be quite different than your experience when you're paid to be there and you have to be there. So I really want to have a go at them when I'm working as a resident and see if my interest is confirmed. I think one piece of advice I got from Cameron, not one of my supervisors, was to not rush ahead with things. I think if I spoke to myself when you one and you two, I wanted to graduate, get an internship at a big city hospital, do my resident year, get on a training program and become a consultant as quickly as possible. And now I've realised that those kind of, I guess, ambitions were unfounded and they were probably based off what I thought was a good idea. I think seeing now that taking this year off to kind of deviate off the path uh, was something I really enjoyed and I think in the future... In registrar training, I'd be more than happy to extend that and do something like a PhD, have, be able to dedicate more of my time to research, which I'd love. 
but I'll kind of go with the flow. I think it's, you know, obviously your life changes and things can't be as simple as um, you might plan them to be. But at the moment, it's going to plan and I really hope I can do my internship in Bendigo. That's probably my next goal. And once, if I achieve that, I'll plan from there. But that's the brief outline of things. Have you got any advice for early career doctors and medical students that are thinking about taking on a research project or including it into their career pathway in some other way? Yeah, so I think if you've got an interest in research, I think it's really important to work out why that interest is there. Unfortunately, the way that medical training positions are going and the number of students is it's becoming more competitive and people will sometimes use research as a way to separate themselves from the crowd. And look, for really competitive specialties, I hate to say you probably do have to do that research even if you don't enjoy it. I think if you aren't sure, give it a go. The worst case scenario is you realise you don't like it and then you can tick it off the list of things that you won't be doing in the future. But for me, I'd say give it a go. Start off small. Don't try and go out by yourself and do it. That can be really, really challenging. If you're a student, doing the Bachelor of Medical Science is a perfect opportunity to do that. And really make sure your supervisor is someone that can dedicate that time to you. You're a new researcher with very little skills in research, so you need that person to support you. I guess if someone's a junior doctor, I think pairing up with not just the clinician who's doing research, but also an academic, you can get two different points of views, not just a doctor who's got some papers published, but an academic who does it for a career. So for students, doing the BMN size is a great idea. Um, if you're not too sure, there's summer scholarships you can do. Um, that will give you generally four to eight weeks of exposure to research, and that's probably a you know, I guess a less risky move if you turn up to be and sign and realise you hate it. For junior doctors, I think pairing up with a clinician and an academic is a really good idea. And I think asking around the hospital to who's doing research and looking at what universities are in the area is a good idea. And as well, if you think you need to do it to get a training position, I think it's really important that you ask yourself, is that the right thing to do? Research is the sort of thing you've got to be passionate about to get good results. And by good results, I mean writing something you're actually proud of. If you're doing it just to you know, get a point on a CV, it probably won't be the same quality as if you sit down and enjoy the writing you're doing. Cameron Knott was a mentor for the project, supporting Zach from a clinical perspective. He says technology is helping connect regional clinicians into the research community, breaking down the barriers of distance and communication that were once so isolating. One of the things that we do find is that there's probably an untapped gold mine. And these days with communication potential, the idea of not being in a city and getting support, that, that idea in my mind is gone. Uh, the ability to do teleconferencing, video conferencing, using collaborative tools to get the right support that you need in your place without having to travel like hours and hours across the countryside to a major centre, those days are limited. Uh, with the amazing tools that are available and I think that's how Zach started and that's how we're also trying to set up other research projects here is the idea of collaboration using collaborative tools and video conferencing bringing the resources that exist in the city remotely through the use of those tools. Do you think that another overlooked aspect of research regionally would be that you would find potentially different health outcomes for people in regional Australia. Yeah, it's true that um, regional people do have different health outcomes, uh, mostly due to access to healthcare. We in Bendigo have really poor cardiovascular outcomes. Um, the AIHW reports do report that we have high rates of obesity, high rates of cardiovascular disease, high rates of polypharmacy drug use, um, alcohol consumption, smoking. And these are things that are a public health emergency. It also changes the flavour of who's in the community 
and also how they access healthcare and also the types of patients that we see through our critical care services. And we also have an older community. We find that uh, most of the younger people do leave to go and get skills in big centres or go overseas and then come back later when they're thinking about having children. So we end up having an older community. We also have an older community in the farming community who are also struggling with the climate emergency. And so we really have a different way of practising. It impacts the way people come into the hospital. It also impacts the way they go home and recover or don't go home and recover. It's a really different flavour of practice. Do you think as more research is conducted in regional Australia, it might change or shape the way healthcare is delivered? I hope so. I think with the regional specialist training program hubs that have come into existence, the presence of a university structure in regional centres is really useful. A lot of hospitals can't provide the resource for education and training and research that uh, universities can. I think part of the process of getting the story out is doing research and being aware of it. About 20% of the Australian community lives outside the urban centres. Bendigo would technically be an urban centre, but it's not a major capital city. Uh, and so it effectively it's, it's an in-between place at the moment. And I really do think that not only are we researching the public health aspects, but also the acute care aspects of our community, but we are also thinking about researching and starting research around how do we attract, retain and develop our local workforce. And that's, that's at the start of an ongoing process. Looking at the finished product of research like clinical studies and research papers, it can be quite intimidating to get started, particularly if you are new to the research field and are unfamiliar with the academic rigours that these projects require. The School of Rural Health at Monash University has been actively researching the issues that face regional healthcare since it was established. Today, there are researchers spread across regional Victoria in their campuses in Northwest Victoria and Gippsland. Dr. Alison Beecham and Dr. Anton Isaacs are senior lecturers at Monash Rural Health in Gippsland. Between lecturing and their own research initiatives, they support practitioners and junior doctors in their research efforts. Dr. Isaacs says the first step for budding researchers is finding something which warrants further investigation. At this point, he can help practitioners get started and then follow through with their projects. Well, most of uh, those who come to me are hospital clinicians, either doctors, junior doctors, or um, nurses, or allied health staff. They usually identify an issue that they want to know more about. There's, there is an unmet need for research and developing research and, and undertaking research studies in, in rural areas. There are lots of people who want to do research, but they do not know where to start and how to go about doing it. So now that I have developed, I, I work very closely with the uh, research, education and training team at Lateral Regional Hospital. And through them, many uh, of their staff come to me and say, this is, this is what I'm thinking about. I think we need to know more about this. I don't know where to start. And then I start off by helping them polish up what exactly they want to know, because when you do research, one of the important things is to be very specific about what you want to do. That itself takes time, because many of them 
once I take them through the process of deciding on what exactly they want to do, uh, and then they do a literature review around it. Some of them realize that it's already been done, it's just that they were not aware of it. Sometimes it's something new uh, and novel, and then I take them through the process of writing up uh, an ethics application form, and then whether it's an audit or whether it's a qualitative study, I take them through the process of how to go about doing it. And I essentially, I mentor them from scratch. Some of them take it seriously and finish writing up the project and we get it published. What's the scope for opportunities in research in regional areas? I think it's potentially massive. And I think one of the great things about doing research in a regional area is you're a lot, as if you live and work in the area, you're a lot more attuned to what's going on in your local community. So I think you can undertake research at that varies from clinical research, which is sort of what Anton's been describing, down to community-based research. And a lot of the work that I do is supporting practitioners in community health settings. So they work really closely with the local community. And it just means that whatever they do is, I think, more locally relevant and probably meets local priorities. So it's research that makes a difference. Look, the research principles remain the same. And most of, well, all of us here who active researchers at Monash Rural Health are really kind of up to date with those procedures and we're fully aware of the research processes and we have resources and can offer support for health workers working in research. So, so that's kind of essentially the same. But I think I've just recently moved here from a larger metropolitan research institute. And the difference for me is that I think the scope is probably broader here. I think in a larger sort of metro centre, you're more, you know, you have to kind of focus or align more with the priorities of that institute. You know, it's very competitive, it's very hard to get funding and, and to get sort of research up and running. So you have to be a bit more perhaps strategic, I suppose, if you're in an institute uh, in the city. But I think out here, you can perhaps think a bit more outside the square. And there's a massive amount of support out here. A lot of us, as I say, are experienced researchers and I think we we're here because we kind of love the the rural sort of setting the other thing to mention is I think that there's there's different health needs out there you know there's um particularly if you're working in the area of health inequities people in rural and regional areas have a lot less access to services and often come from more disadvantaged backgrounds than people in metro areas so again as I mentioned before I think it's about research here that makes a difference to to those inequities. Like the same goes, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We, there's so much of opportunity here, but we, we really don't have enough you know, junior researchers or people who want to do research to come up and want to do it. But if we have people who are interested in doing it, then there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of potential. I guess it would be pretty important to get people into research at uh, an early stage of their yes. career and you know, even kicking off while they're at university. Yes, we are really thinking about how we can find, uh, it's difficult to find people from a rural area when the number of people who have just finished university or who are finishing university are so few. So we are exploring ways by which we can bring in people who have just finished their degree or their honours to come here and think about, you know, uh, taking up a career in research and doing something in a rural area. Alison's just touched on the, the idea of health inequities in regional areas. Do you think that there is almost a research inequity 
as well? Oh, absolutely. That is, that is a major research inequity. A lot of the policy that's, that is built on evidence is built on evidence from the cities. Uh, and we know that the rural areas have a much higher prevalence of ill health and, and, and all kinds of issues. But there's very little evidence that's emanated from here. So we need more people, more research to be done in these areas to be able to inform policy. Alison, what does the future look like for research across Monash Rural Health, but perhaps in Gippsland too? What we're really focusing on now is trying to sort of spread the word a little bit and make our presence known and show that we have the support and resources to help people do research. So we've just recently undertaken um, a two-day training course for clinicians and anybody really working in the health space in Gippsland, and we've done the same thing in, in Bendigo as well. And overall, we had about 25 health workers and clinicians come and attend the two-day training, which was very much as kind of we were talking before about the whole research process that Anton was describing around ethics applications and types of research design and all those sorts of things that it's actually kind of hard to find out about if you if you don't know where to start. Um, and then we're f- mentoring people who are taking projects forward. So I think we had about 25 yes. people attending yes. and out of that we've got about 14 or so projects that are currently being taken forward and each of those projects is being mentored by an experienced researcher from Monash Rural Health. So I think that's a model that we'd really like to keep moving forward because I think there was a lot of interest mm-hmm. and it's shown you know, that we've got good outcomes from that. So that's one of the things that we'll do. And their projects were all issues that they were involved in, isn't it? Yeah. They, 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 they brought forth projects which were, which were issues that they were battling with on a, on a regular basis. And they said, these are issues that we feel strongly about that's affecting our health service and our area. And we want to work in this. We want to do something about this area, you know. So that's what made it really worthwhile because it was not something that we took to them. They came up with their own projects and, and, and areas of interest. So, so that was good. If there is junior doctors, medical students, or really anyone in the medical space looking at getting into research in a regional area. Is there any advice that you would have for people in those positions? I think if anybody's interested in doing research, they should get in touch with our research. We have four streams uh, of research within the school. We have mental well-being, we have aging and palliative care and cancer as one. We have methamphetamine, the VMAX, um, which, is a, which is a longitudinal study. And we have your Nagot study, isn't it? That is a longitudinal study, yeah. A longitudinal study of uh, health professionals. Yeah, you know, just to we're measuring what their outcomes are, where they are practicing, and et cetera, et cetera. But um, having said that, anybody who wants to do any research can get in contact with the research directorate of the school. Wherever they're located, we can help them. Uh, we can, you know, explore what they want to do and find the right supervisors and mentors for them and help them to realise their interest in, in undertaking research. I think that's that's right, I agree, because Monash Rural Health is sort of spread throughout Gippsland, for example, and, and other regions, of course, in Victoria, but we are kind of embedded in a lot of health services like Anton's at La Trobe Regional Hospital and Eleanor's down at Bairnsdale, and so I think approaching the school either just via the website, there's lots of good contact details there, or just approaching somebody who's working within a a site and you know is affiliated with the university is a really good start. Anton alluded to this before that sometimes people have great ideas about research but 
are not entirely sure where to start and very often that research has been done before. So that's a good starting point to identify. Is there a need for the research? But in particular, is, is there evidence about this research or this, this intervention area. or this area that's relevant to, to rural areas? And do we need to test some of these interventions in rural areas? And um, I think that's a great starting point yeah. as well. As research begins to pick up in regional areas, do you see it changing and shaping the, the way healthcare is delivered here? Every single research study is aimed to influence the way service is delivered or the way uh, something works in a health service or in the population. If the research is done well and it's published and it's peer-reviewed, then it's just a matter of the service deciding whether they want to take this on board and apply it or whether we need more research to make sure that this is actually useful or not. Uh, but every single research study is directed towards improving the quality of care that patients receive. And I think we can directly inform policy through that. You know, you think about some of the government agencies like Safer Care Victoria and so on, they, they can be informed by what's happening in the rural space and they can tailor the, their policies and their provisions to, to those needs. I think the opportunity for supervision, and we're, yes. we're taking an honours yes. student on this year for the a tracking study that Anton was talking about where we're trying to track nursing and allied health students and graduates over 10 years just using big data. It's a data linkage project. And this honour student is focusing on paramedicine in rural Victoria, you know, which is a, a kind of an untapped area. So I, I think, yeah, trying to perhaps align with some of the bigger projects that are going on to start doing your honours is a really kind of great introduction into research. Thank you to our guests for taking the time to discuss their work and thank you for listening. You can find out more about the study and training opportunities across regional Victoria by visiting monash.edu forward slash medicine forward slash SRH. This episode was part of a series of conversations with doctors in regional Victoria. We have a whole range of episodes available on different specialist fields and are releasing new episodes every fortnight. Find us on your podcast app of choice, and if you're enjoying the series so far, give us a five-star rating too. It helps us reach more people looking at a career in rural medicine. The Northwest Victoria and Gippsland Regional Training Hubs have commissioned this podcast to help medical students and junior doctors learn more about practicing and training in medicine across regional Australia. There are hubs all across the country. To find out where your nearest regional training hub is, visit the link in the episode show notes or just search regional training hubs. And finally, this podcast was brought to you by Monash Rural Health, presented by Patrick Laverick, that's me, and it was made possible by funding from the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program at the Commonwealth Department of Health.